The Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola. Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mystery of life. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, joining you from the lands of the Lekwungen speaking peoples, the Songhees, and the Esquimalt First Nations, recently known as Victoria, BC, Canada. So this conversation is long overdue, uh, and because of that, what you're hearing in this episode is two old friends and colleagues, deep in discussion at times, but also sometimes just kind of shooting the breeze about work stuff and life stuff and how they weave together. My guest on this episode, as I say, long overdue, long anticipated, is Kale Clausen. Kale moved from the corporate world into motherhood before fumbling, fortunately, quite quickly through a series of well-meaning but problematic white lady spiritual endeavors. Since extracting herself as much as possible from that, she's grounded her work in the modality of trans work along with writing and creating. She's a potter and a beater and a poet and a photographer, as well as a mom and equine steward. She has two horses now. She's a human I just adore, and I'm so glad we finally had a chance to record a conversation, and I hope you enjoy it too. So, Kale, what identities do you lead with? It's, this was so funny when you asked me to do this podcast. This was, I was like, oh shit, I'm going to have to find my <laughs> identities that I lead with. It's the part <laughs> I've been most anxious about because I've obviously listened to your podcast forever, and I'm like, I know that's the first thing. So, <laughs> I was, I've been spinning on this and stewing on it. And then I was like, you know what? It's actually pretty simple. Like I am a mom. I definitely lead with that, that I am a mom. Um, it's been a big and pivotal role for me, for sure. A very <laughs> eye-opening and awakening one. Um, I also, well, what I wrote down on my notes for this was that I'm a living, breathing nature fan account. Uh, which I'm like which is animism but I always sort of part of me is like when it comes to a word sometimes Mm -hmm. where I don't and then I was exploring that I'm like why is that but we don't need to get into that um so yeah animist uh a creator um I don't which I was like is that an artist and I don't identify with artists but creator Mm -hmm. and then also just in process I feel like that's probably one of the main things that I often lead with is that I am in process. Mm. Yeah. That's one of the things I really love about uh, your Instagram accounts is you let people see what's in process. And, um, and also it is like very soothing and therapeutic for those of us who just like nature porn, you know, yeah. and like horse porn. Yeah. <laughs> like, goal. yeah, it's very nice. Um, and I can really relate to what you say about like, I don't identify as artist, but I would as creator. Um, is that, is there something like textural or manual about that? Or is it, or is it, or is it more conceptual for you? Like, what's the difference between the two? I think it's probably more conceptual it's more like my own belief systems and mm-hmm. artists to me is very um trained mm-hmm. um there's an element of like 
yeah, like precision and technique. And interestingly, when I think of artists, I almost always think of painters. Like mm-hmm. it's your, you paint if you're an artist. And, and it just feels like it's something that is very, um, like devotional in a way that I don't think that I'm worthy of. Mm. Yeah. Like, it's like, if you're an artist, you've put in the time and you've, um, earned it, you've studied under the greats or, you know, it's like this whole kind of, yeah, it's like this, um, pedestal really, Mm. I think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that I would say similarly I like it's like what is it about us right because I I'm similar where I'm like no I know real writers even though I've (laughs) you know it's like I I made a book but I'm not but I don't feel like a writer or um I am I am a creator and I would say I'm like somewhat creative but um I, but an artist that said, I would say my child is an artist. They spent hours and hours and they, they've had some lessons, but not many. They're mostly self-taught, but it's the rigor that they bring to their work that, that I'm like, yeah, that's not me. I'm, I feel like a bit of a dilettante and a dabbler and a like, kind of like gluing it together. Um, and I, I think I I just want to accord them respect. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And I, and that's something I think like too is I my process is always very like I'm just exploring and I don't have a niche at all like I'm just like this is what I'm into now and now I want to do this and oh my gosh I saw this but I think I could do it that way and so I'm very like a jumper around Mm -hmm. and always creating and making but yeah not I haven't had like a truly like I'm devoted to painting in this style with this you know like it's yeah, I'm more of a like jack of all trades, master mm-hmm. of not any. I can hear the rumblings of the invisible audience right now, particularly. I can hear Rachel Rice in my head right now being like, that's not what artists that that's not, you oh. know, like being like, you're an artist. But yeah, but I've also heard like so Rachel, who I would consider an artist, who also would say, Yeah, but I'm dabbling around. Like, you know, you're describing yeah. her process in many ways, I, you know, we shouldn't be talking about somebody who's not here, but in like the most praiseworthy way, I would say Rachel is an artist yeah. and, um, and I've heard her say, you know, the, the job of the artist is to like mirror society, but also show them something different that's possible. And I'm like, yeah, I don't also think I'm doing that. I'm like, literally, these are just like vanity projects that I'm like, oh, I want to try this thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm interested in this right now. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, yeah, I often have that conversation in my own head of like, but you are an artist, mostly because it's a way of like confronting my belief systems around like, you're not worthy of this. Why are you doing this? Don't Mm -hmm. put this out there. So Mm -hmm. I'll have those conversations, but I still always comfortably come back to like, you're a maker or a creator. Like, yeah. 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 Oh, I hear that. Oh man. Do I ever hear that, that, that Ira Glass quote about like your um, taste and your ambition is like beyond your skill level at first. So you have to put out your shitty first draft. You have to make a ton of work. And then like one day, maybe you'll be as skillful as you would like to be in your head. Um, And so you have that killer taste. You have killer taste. 
kale. You have killer taste. And so that, (laughs) and so I get that, that idea of like, I will do what other artists do and I'll take their advice and I will like be generative. But, um, I hear you about needing to confront the inner dialogue of like, everything is just your shitty first draft. Even the thing that you've created, it's like, yeah, Yeah. but it's not as good as my ambition is reaching. So yeah. Yeah, I, I hear that. We're yeah. we're in this together. I feel perfect. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for grounding us there in that identity. Mm-hmm. Can we go a bit? I don't know if you would consider this ancestral because maybe it's very random, but can you tell us a bit about the origin of your name? Your name, Kale, spelled K-A-E-L. Yes. So funnily enough, it is very random, but it is also turns out ancestral. Mm. So yeah, my name is Kale. It is Celtic. Um, it means mighty warrior. And for before I am not so young that um, I've always had the internet. So growing up, people would always be like, what does your name mean? Where does it come from? And I'd be like, I don't know. Like, we, I don't know. Because my mom was like, I've asked her so many times, like, how did you find the name Kale? Where did you pick it from? Like, and she's like, it just came to me. Like, just out of thin air and she always does this hand gesture and I'm like (laughs) okay and then once there was the internet I found out like what it means that it's um it is Celtic in origin and and then later on in my life I did the DNA test and found out that that is like where so my DNA the way they break it down is from um it's all like the Netherlands and particularly Friesland and so there's this whole Frisian, uh, Celtic, pagan, North Germanic um, element to it. So I always have found in my family, I'm for sure the black sheep and I'm the one that doesn't make sense. Like my siblings are all like blonde, blue eyed, short. I'm pretty tall, especially for a woman, dark hair, dark eyes, this weird name, like but then I really do also, you know, being witchy, being into the magic, being into ancestral wisdom and connection, all that. I'm like, oh, it was like, it's all come together full circle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's my name. Mm. Yeah. It, okay. I'm just going to confess. It surprises me to hear that you are a tall woman. You've known each other on the internet for a long time. Yeah. And we're the same in my I mean, head. I'm not... <laughs> Well, How you're tall. You? I'm five eight. You're five eight. Wow, what a glamazon! I would like to be five six. How <laughs> tall are you? I'm like five five, five five and a half. What? I okay, know. in my head, you what? are a very tall woman as well. Yeah. Wow. You okay? So this is so good that we know this in case yeah. we ever see each other in person because that's always my first thing is like, oh, that's yeah. how tall you are. I would have been like, what? Yeah, Maybe it's, it's like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know why I'm just like projecting that like same, same onto yeah. us, <laughs> but, uh, but it makes me, it thrills me to know you're, you're five, eight. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, like, it's not crazy tall, but it's above average for, for yeah. a woman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. And so thank you for clarifying when you say Celtic, what you mean, I, that's not a word that I use very often because it's been so like um, associated and kind of uh, neo-paganism and sort of like popular, I'm going to say white lady spirituality, that it means Irish 
or Scottish. And of course, yeah. what you've just described, just for listeners so that anyone's confused, Celtic is not a national identity of any kind. It's like yeah. a language group that originated pretty much exactly what you're talking about. It's like an Indo-European language group that migrated and like ended up in kind of north of France and moving up along the coasts and into Germania and then yeah. eventually got to uh, England and um, Scotland and Ireland. But when you're talking about Celtic, you're talking about more of that like Germanic root. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for okay. sure. Yeah. That's great. Thank you for clarifying. Can mm-hmm. we um, talk a little bit about like white lady spirituality mm-hmm. uh, in in a bio that I've I've read of yours? You have admitted to or like revealed. I don't know what's the right word or framing for it, but just I like admit confess confess. That's it. <laughs> confess to have like followed a path that we would now call sort of like white lady spirituality. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, there's maybe some culty vibes about that. Can you like give us a bit of context for your spiritual path? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I started out, well, oh my gosh, I don't know how far you want to go back. I had a very, we'll call it unstable childhood and, and then very turbulent because like, I just never had a, a, solid foundation or base or a sense of security from a very 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 young age so then you know that created a lot of trouble in my teenage years a lot of turbulence and then from all of that somewhere in my kind of mid-teenage years I got this idea of like this checklist that would grant me stability and it's like uh high school with honors get to university or college get a high paying job buy a house, get married, boom, I'm going to be stable and secure and happy and feel good. And I will be a a member of society, a productive member of society. again. I will be functioning and I will be safe. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So I did all the things and then, um, spoiler alert, it wasn't enough. So I, you know, I like got married, got divorced very young. Then was like, that was kind of my first big, like, wake up call, like something has to change. So I took my first yoga teacher training course. And then that was that slippery slope into just like, I feel like your first yoga teacher training course for the vast majority of people is like your gateway drug into the white lady spiritual pipeline. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did that and I taught prenatal yoga for a while. And then after my second son was born, I had postpartum depression. It was kind of the second big wake up call of like, okay, you've shifted some things, but like something bigger needs to happen. Never actually looking at like, oh, maybe it's this really traumatic childhood that needs healing in yourself. Mm -hmm. It's always like, Mm -hmm. what's out there that I Mm -hmm. can do Mm -hmm. that will, that will make this feeling go away. Mm -hmm. Um, So after, after that, experience of depression I took more like I think I took like three more teacher training courses yoga teacher training courses and then from there I started you know and it was like in the early 2000s so it was like I feel like and I mean maybe I'm out of it now and it's still going on but I feel like that was the heyday of like girl boss yeah sell oils online your Lululemon yeah, yeah yeah like it was 
it was just prime for that. And so I got into first one group that like in hindsight, I'm like, Oh, that was, that was very culty. Like it was, um, I won't name them, but it was like, it was this, this lady said she had, she had this near-death experience, had an out-of-body experience in that and created this program. And it was all about energetically measuring people and being like, (laughs) these are your, I can't even remember the terminology, but like, these are your two areas where you're in your light. This is the one where you're in your shadow, figuring out how to work with all of that. And so through a teacher that I knew um, and still love and respect very much, I got involved in that group. And it was like, you would pay $3,000 so that you could work for them. But basically it was this really weird pyramid scheme. And then like, it got to the point where if I didn't call them, like they'd call and be like, Hey, we were thinking about this. And if I didn't call back and like, at this time I had a four-year-old and a one-year-old. So I wasn't (laughs) calling back all the time right away. And then they would call and call and call. And when I'd finally be able to answer, they'd be like, oh, we were concerned because you weren't like, it was was in Mm -hmm. hindsight, just, I was like, but at the time I was like, oh, like they really value me. They really Mm -hmm. want me in this. And then Mm -hmm. the final straw, and this woman like even channeled, I want to say it's like Abraham or one of those known entities. Mm -hmm. And it was funny, like you'd have a session with them. Excuse me, sorry. And they'd always, everything would be like, well, he says do this, but it would all, it wouldn't be like, yeah, continue to teach yoga, be teach yoga, but do it through our program. And so then that was the (laughs) final thing where it was like, they wanted me to teach yoga with, with their name on it. So it would have been like, whatever yoga in their house. And I was going to have to pay them to be teaching under their name. Like it was just. And then I was like, oh, and then after that, I was like, hey, you know, I just need to take a time out. And they were like, like mad and then love bombing me and all this stuff to like get me back. And then after that, shortly after that, we found out that they'd actually run this business before with another lady that they had co-created it. It was actually from this book from like a psychic who was well-known in the seventies and in the back of it, she had these kind of archetypes. And so that was like, one thing and of course it was so it was all about recruiting it was all about selling it was like ugh. wow that's yeah. intense it and was that super is very like 2000s that is the heyday there was there was so much yeah. of that I'm sure yeah that so many people are like listening right now being like oh that sounds just like my friend who got involved with that and yeah you know, it, it's morphed over time but like, yeah yeah that yeah. was, I feel that that was, was a hotbed the- time totally a hotbed where everyone was like I have this idea and I'm patenting it trademarking it and selling it and also pyramid scheming it where it's Mm -hmm. like and the internet is going to help me like those things converge just like so um in such a like macabre kind of way (laughs) where it's like the sense of connection and belonging and sort of reach and all of that stuff that that could be so life-giving just like it's so distorted under capitalism yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so so yeah I did that one and then shortly after that I had this dream and I'm a big like my dreams are typically very 
not even typically, I'd say like almost always, they're a really true source of guidance for me. And so this dream I still look back on, I'm like, was it just that I didn't have a better vocabulary or what? But it was basically mm -hmm. like become a shaman. And, and so again, at that time, I think shamanism for white people was in its heyday. Mm -hmm. And is this like 2010s now? Mm, more like 2004. I'd oh, say. okay. Yeah. Yeah. 2004 2005 probably okay um and so again I'm like because I I I think the dream still was valuable I just don't know if I didn't have the right vocabulary to be putting into my <laughs> dream space mm -hmm. so so yeah then I did that I um trained with uh like a first nations woman which was really lovely and she was like for me personally it was a very healing thing Mm -hmm. But of course, being in that time and space, it was like, now I'm taking this out there and I'm working it, you know, mm -hmm. like there was never a, oh, I just did this and it was good for me. It's like, how can I make money off of this now? Mm -hmm. And so I did that for a few years, very much with her teaching and her wisdom and the way she taught it to me. And then actually it was, I think right around the time I first knew you and was I had worked with you and then also was following your <laughs> sorry, uh, Facebook and everything. I don't even know if we had Instagram yet. I don't think Instagram was there yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then it was like, that was my big wake up call and aha, this is like problematic and cultural mm. appropriation and all of this. So I still work kind of in that capacity, but now I have put in the time you know, like I call it trans work, like you, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't say I do shamanic work anymore because every single person then is like, Oh, can you do an ayahuasca ceremony for me? And it's like, <laughs> that is not my lineage. That is not what <laughs> we're not doing me. here. Or yeah. they're like, yeah, like it always is like, and, and so I don't want to explain that over and over again. And also I just, I don't want to be um, harmful. I don't want to be harmful. Mm -hmm. So yeah, now I call it trans work or intuitive readings. And I've learned about my, you know, I did my DNA test because my family isn't very easy to trace. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I've, I've kind of like, that was like, I think my final, there was other little, like slightly less problematic things in there of, you know, like, oh, I'm going to sell, what was the oil doTERRA or, mm -hmm. you know, there was little blips, like things like like that but but that was the final one and I think that happening and knowing you and there was a few other pivotal people at that time where it was just like and I can't think of their names now sorry to those people but just being like oh I see what I've been doing in all mm -hmm, of this mm -hmm. and then getting a therapist and being like yeah. okay <laughs> just can't just keep doing this taking in all these other things and other people's cultures and hoping that's going to be a band-aid over the gaping wound that I am like mm -hmm. let's deal with this mm -hmm. yeah, yeah it's so interesting to be like I totally remember that time yeah especially yeah 2005 six seven for me discovering um like Sandra Ingerman's work and uh what's his name, Michael Harner, whatever, the core yeah. shamanism courses, took all those courses, um, went on quest, which I think my old teacher still calls it vision quest. And, you right. know, like, you know, there's a, a very um, hero's journey 
blended with black elk speaks <laughs> validated yeah. by yeah. The, you know like yeah. hay house and so like, hay house that's exactly <laughs> it right so yeah for folks who are like what do they mean by white lady spirituality like it's it goes back a long ways and like man did I ever mm-hmm. go to a lot of hay house conferences in the 2000s and um they're, they're just like again hotbeds of um yeah all the like law of attraction um the the hickses uh, mm-hmm. all those things were just all you know those movies the secret what the bleep do we know they were all coming out at the same time and yeah. the internet was so new yeah. and so yeah you would kind of like get this um kind of wave of like resources and teachers and people that all seem to feed into each other. And suddenly it's like, it was the first time that you could step into whole new worlds and whole new cultures. Like before that, before the kind of heyday of the internet, you would like find a book. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yes. you know, that can yeah. only reach so far yeah. and like get so deep in your nervous system. But when you get like tons of stuff coming at you that's visual that's auditory that's live event that's and it's being spread so quickly yeah it was very uh difficult to develop discernment and it's taken a while you know it's taken yeah and it was I think there was like an element of possibility and excitement in being like oh I found this thing that kind of worked for me and then you would google and find like 10 more options of like, maybe also this one, like, yes. Yeah. It just, the bypassing, it was very much just like, why get a therapist when I can just keep, or I mean, maybe therapy is not for everybody. I didn't even think of therapy at the time, Kale, because this seemed like, just keep looking for a new answer. Exactly. And it didn't seem as expensive. Therapy seemed like stuff that like coastal people with high incomes did. Therapy was like, stuff that people who watch Woody Allen movies did yeah that's not what my working class family had ever had in the realm they didn't even we they didn't even watch those movies with me you know yeah 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 it's taken a while it's taken a while for sure okay so you've described the gaping wound (laughs) And, and how that, you know, we can see the constellation, right? There's instability in childhood. It, um, is somehow also, uh, managed or coped with, I imagine through creativity, imagination, potentially some dissociation there. The idea of like wanting to leave this plane through trance work, through exploratory, you know, altered states through like seeking healing. These things seem pretty common but also one of the threads that ties them is being very sensitively attuned. Mm -hmm. And so these things are all gifts, but they're not without their challenges that, that acute awareness of not only your pain, but like the pain of the world and the ability to track the patterns of, Mm -hmm. you know, now we call it trauma at that time, we might've just called it core wound or something today, what would you say is the hardest part of being a really sensitive soul for you? Mm, I think (laughs) this is like maybe a really simple answer, but it's just knowing that every single day, something's going to break my heart. Like, Mm. and I'm not even, you know, exaggerating when it's like every single day, there's something that where I'm just like, oh, and I feel, I feel it. 
so fully, you know, it's like this ache and this deflation and just absolute sadness Mm. at least once pretty well every single day. Mm. I think, you know, it's, it's a hard thing to brace yourself for. Mm-hmm. And I think for a long time, that's what I did was I braced myself for it or against it. And now I'm getting a little bit better <laughs> slowly mm-hmm. at being like, okay, this is going to come and that's okay. And I have tools and I have ceremony and I have things that I do depending on what it is in that day. Um, but knowing that it doesn't last forever. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that used to be a big thing where it's like, this broke my heart today and I can't move past it or I can't mm. let it go or I can't stop wondering what I could do or how it could be shifted or completely kind of bypassed again. Mm. So I think that's the, that's what comes to mind there. Are you scared that it's going to last forever because you've experienced this for so long? Like, do you, have you had this heartbreak since you, as early as you can remember when you were a little old kid? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And that's funny. Like I just had that conversation with my therapist like two weeks ago where it's like, if this has been the first 42 years of my life, like, why do I keep going? Mm. Because the, the pattern and the, what I've seen and what I've experienced and hard you know like and there's and so you know she's like well that's why you're here and we get the tools and we figure it out and and we heal the trauma like I'm doing she does she calls it ART which I don't actually even know what that stands for but it's like this hand motion it's Mm -hmm. kind of hypnotic and then it's reprocessing scenes from childhood and things like Mm -hmm. that so yeah it is it's hard to stay it's hard to stay and it's mm-hmm. hard to be hopeful, I find. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a fundamental question. Hey, I work with uh, this question with clients one-on-one a lot, especially if they fit a certain kind of profile. Like my back of the napkin is like, you know, we can kind of smell our own. So we're like, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so I have this like back of the napkin um, around that um spiritual abandonment wound is what I used to call it. Now I might call it a different thing, like an attachment wound or whatever, but, but it, but it is, um, some people call it existential depression, whatever. There's different names for it, but it's like where your core attachment rupture is even before your family of origin. It's like being born in the first place. So there's like some, some sort of telltale things like, yeah, if you experience like acute depression with suicidality or, um, self-harm or those kinds of things. If you had near-death experiences, if you've had out-of-body or easily have out-of-body, like very vivid dreams, lucid yeah. dreaming, that kind of stuff. If you're the black sheep in the family, yeah. if check, you're check, check, check. chameleonic, yeah, where it's like lots of people know different faces of you, but no one person knows you in your entirety. Like you can style flex pretty easily. Yeah. Um, there's like a few more things, but it's like, here's my back in the napkin. <laughs> and if that happens, it's like, okay, so first things first, <laughs> the yeah. sense of like being, I don't know, like exiled here on the earth plane. And maybe there's some like rupture or like, like a disorganized attachment where it's come here, go away with spirit 
or God mm-hmm. or creative life or source, whatever you call it. It's like, on the one hand, I'm pissed because I'm having to suffer all yeah. the time. And on the other hand, I love you and I feel part of you and I feel connected. And yeah. that that feels like my home place, right? Yeah. So it's always like, okay, so here you are now, you're part of source and you as one tiny little ember <laughs> have like come away and have incarnated and you have to decide, do you want to be here? Yeah. Like that's kind of, it's like, a, it's just a, it's a choice. It's like a very conscious choice. Do you, mm-hmm. you want to be here? And of course, when you're experiencing stuff like intergenerational trauma, um, epigenetic trauma, early childhood experiences, trauma, postpartum depression, and then the world. It's like, wow, that's <laughs> yeah. actually like a pretty tough choice to make some days, you know? Uh, and so yeah. it really can be a lot more work for some people, especially like very sensitive people than others. So like, I'm glad you're here. Good job making the choice today. Good job. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It, it is hard. And you know, it's funny, like that's ultimately the thing is like, every day that I continue on, I'm always glad. Like, mm-hmm. and that's, I keep, I all like on the really hard days. That's what I anchor to is like, last time there was a really hard day, you were glad that mm-hmm. there was another day. And mm-hmm. yeah. And I think that that's just, I'm sure that oversimplifies it. Like if I was a psychiatrist listening to this, they'd be like, ah, but, <laughs> but ultimately that's sort of like, the very kind of foundational piece is just that reminder for myself always of like you were glad that there was another day last time so why let's see if this time's the same mm. and then and then just being much better about getting things in place having process having um things that honor the what breaks my heart I have mm. found has become really important so then it's not it doesn't it's not just something that happened and then it's done. It's like this, yeah, having a way to honor it is, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's meaning making or if it just soothes in some way or, or what it, sounds it is. sounds like but, both. I mean, it sounds yeah. so valuable because like you said, otherwise it's this thing that happened and it's not even that it's done. It's that it goes into the soupy quagmire of shit, the cesspool that yeah. is just like, oh my God, I don't want to live beside us in a cesspool anymore of all this, like these shitty yes. things that are just so full of anguish and break my heart and hurt everyone, yeah. you know? So it's like yeah. meaning making, soothing that actually does feel like a very strong, I would call it a ritual, but like an act of defiance or an act of balancing or an act of something like resistance yeah. that it's like, like that act of defiance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of like you're not going to break me today. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. How much of your time in like healing or maybe it's not so much time, how much of your energy would you say is bound up in like intergenerational trauma and healing like in other words how much of your own personal healing do you think is actually ancestral healing um I I think that without realizing it almost all of it I would say is Mm -hmm. because all of why I need to heal is because of intergenerational ancestral traumas and wounds Mm um like the the reason I had the childhood I, I did was because my parents, their parents had this wound and their great grand or their grandparents had this, like they were, my great grandparents were the first ones to come here to Canada um, and under duress. So 
yeah, I can, I can see now how all of that is very linked. I, I'm a little bit like more Mennonite or Dukabor or do you have Mennonite? Kind of yeah. Mennonite. Okay. Yeah. So they, um, yeah, my great grandparents. And that's why it's like hard to trace my family line is they were the first ones who came here and they like had to flee Russia because people were, well, sorry. Um, I mean, people were going missing or being murdered or like, they just, it was, it was bad news. So, and it's funny, like there's that element of it, but then the Mennonite religion even is very passive. It's a very, like, as far as a religion goes, people are like, well, what makes a Mennonite different? I'm like, well, like we eat a lot and well and Mm -hmm. work hard and are pacifists. Like that's kind of as best as I can define it different from any other kind of Christian religion. Mm -hmm. Um, But in that, you know, like it's a very patriarchal religion. So I can see how that has caused, you know, people are always like, well, your grandma was difficult. I'm like, was she? (laughs) Was she just really intelligent? And even as progressive as my one set of grandma and grandparents were, there still were things of like, they still went to that church. They still... Mm -hmm. You know, she had a job outside the house. Like, how were people talking about her then? Like, so there's that element. My biological dad, his, on that side of the family, my grandpa was actually a pastor. And that grandma was very, like, the older school midnight. Like, you didn't show your arms when you're out in public. Always, like, no, nothing more than your ankle maybe showing kind of stuff like that. And And my biological dad is a very brilliant person but not was never going to follow that line and so then what happened to him is he has a lot of issues with like substance abuse and and I just you know there's an element of like what if they just would have loved him open arms and Mm -hmm. like follow whatever path you want we support you so and then because of that you know I had the childhood I did and things like that so (laughs) long story short I do think all of what's broken in me is because of not all of but 98 percent is because of the ancestral pieces mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and so does that inform your spiritual practice like is that like a daily occasional anniversaries deaths that kind of stuff like how much does it inform what you do for your own personal spiritual practice um it's i in a funny way it informs it entirely but because I've really rejected all of that side of things and so whenever oh in other words like your spiritual practice is is like an act of defiance against that whole religious patriarchal pressure okay so everything you do is a response yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and it's very much uh like it's reclaiming what Mm -hmm. is actually a spiritual practice because I found growing up like that and seeing that there would be a lot of we're the good Christians and that Mm -hmm. these people were shaming like I remember feeling such shame going Mm -hmm. to church I'm like why why did I feel like that when I was a little kid already that I wasn't good enough and how are (laughs) these the good Christians Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's what a small child was feeling and even Mm -hmm. the grandparents on the one side of the family that were kind of more devout like when my parents finally did get divorced, that grandma, I know she loved us in her way, but like, instead of being like, what do you guys need? How can I care for you? She would be like, you should watch Billy Graham, who's like an evangelical, 
like mm-hmm. she's like that might give you meaning in your life and I was like oh god mm-hmm. oh kind of mm-hmm. so yeah I found like it is definitely this act of defiance and just a really true like I I you know again back to my good white lady spiritual days I did a lot of ceremony ritual practice that was like this would look good if someone was watching it I had the right crystals I was burning mm-hmm. the right herbs I was you know and now it's always coming back to how authentic does this feel does this feel like something that's really true mm-hmm. really true to me not oh I saw this somewhere or it's tied into this and and you know so like something I've come back to recently is prayer for a long 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 time I just did not pray because it was very tied up in church mm-hmm. um and and not being good enough and and so but I missed it always. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's finding this way of like, okay, now I have prayer again, but it's very much reclaimed for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so beautiful. That's so relatable to me because uh, the first um, structure I think I ever experienced around my natural spiritual yearning and, and like um, reach, you know, I was always reaching and, and yeah exploring and curious um but it was only through going to you know sunday school with friends you know who who had religious backgrounds that i could find some structure and prayer was so beautiful to me i think as somebody who has quite a lot of clear audience mm. the cadence the rhythm yeah. turns of phrase and hallowed be thy name has been such a phrase that i love but I, it's yeah. so associated with like a kind of old white dude in the sky. And so it's taken me a long time to be able to like, well, as Mary Oliver would say, like, let the soft animal of my body love what it loves. And I love starting just the natural way it starts for me is great mother spirit creator. Thank you for safe passage or no, hallowed be thy name. Thank you for safe passage through the night. That's like the first thing that goes through my head every morning. And when I'm doing like public prayer, if I'm like leading something in a group, I'll say great mother spirit creator as my invocation, I will skip the part in my head of hallowed be thy name. And then I'll just like go on to the next things. I'm like, it's so bound up in that patriarchal, institutional, religious context that I don't want to like shock (laughs) and like dysregulate people with that. But it's so beautiful to me that like your name is like hallowed and holy and sacred. And that phrase just rolls so beautifully so um yeah I I also have prayer as something that's like a pretty daily very small and like nothing really even comes after that it's like that's it that's my whole yeah (laughs) and I have like a messy altar and I it's not as good looking as um it was in the 2000s around here no (laughs) nothing is but (laughs) But I do, I do still like to put pretty things on Instagram because I love Instagram and I I also am a lover of beauty, right? As a a creative person. Absolutely. And like, I used to be, I used to have a photography business. And so when I went away from my, like, ah, this was all for show, then I kind of had to have this like reckoning where I'm like, but you still love beautiful things and you still love photography. And so it's okay to still be doing that. Just skip over like the, any part that's appropriative or bypassing or like that was the problem not the pretty picture and the beautiful items like oh I love that yeah I find 
there's like a difference between inspirational and aspirational to me. Like Ooh, aspirational yeah. is so graspy. And, but I look at your feed and I'm like, oh, it's so inspirational. It's so beautiful. But I'm not like, I want to be just like that. Well, I do want to have a horse. I want to have horses <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Of course I want to be like Kale, but it's not in a way that makes me feel less than or like I couldn't do it, you know? Yeah. 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 Which yeah. I think I, I've never had words that, but I feel like everybody that I follow on Instagram now is very, for a long time, it was all, who's the coach, who's the whatever, what's the prettiest. And now it's very much that where it's like, I'm inspired by mm -hmm. these people. And yeah, I don't feel less than I feel like they just, yeah. somebody recently on Instagram, actually <laughs> shared where it's like rising tides lift all ships. And I was just like, mm -hmm. that's perfect. Like, that's mm -hmm. exactly it. Like, there's if we can all lift together like mm -hmm. yeah yeah when people feel less than on Instagram I'm always like you aren't following enough hashtag sheep of the day mm. <laughs> like you need to follow hashtag goatstagram oh you yeah. need to follow hashtag farm porn or yeah. whatever like just whatever yeah. is your thing kittens. you need to just go yeah kittens you have to just go I also follow bunstagram and so you get a lot of rabbits and people who make cool messy bun tutorials and sometimes oh. cinnamon buns also come up so I follow yeah. like you need to trifecta. go into the yeah you go you find a hashtag and like one day just go and follow all the fun hashtags and then your yeah. feed is gonna get to start so you gotta reset your feed if you're feeling less than on Instagram because totally you're missing yeah. out on cinnamon buns and baby rabbits yeah <laughs> all the good stuff yeah. So, okay. Coming back to being a creative person in the places we find um, expression, would you say your healing journey that this, this working through the trauma is more of a help or a hindrance to your creative process? <laughs> um, I would say, depending on the day is where I land on that. Like, mm -hmm. I do it because I need the help of working through things like that is for sure where I always create from. And when I first started, it was like, I just need an outlet. So yeah, I, th I think it really does depend on the day, like where I'm at and um, <laughs> just sort of where I'm landing in my own mental health and, and you know, knowing that about myself, I try now really hard to always, you know, sometimes I'll just be like, I'm just going to get my hands in the clay and muck around and see where it ends up. But I also try much more now to be mindful of like, okay, this is how I've been feeling. This is how that could make me feel like everything I'm doing is crap. <laughs> and, mm. but like, let's just see our way through it or, or I'll meditate first. And, and again, my meditation process is vastly different than what it was 20 years ago but you know it's starting to I guess I'm having to grow through those things if that makes sense to mm -hmm. to to meet myself where I want to be as a creator I don't want to just be like trauma dumping into a piece of clay and then selling that on <laughs> on my store you know like I want it to be like I did this mindfully and with love and cause it, it inspired me when I was, I was in the forest and I saw this and like, mm. I try to bring all of that more to it. Mm. I like I kind of rambled there, but. No, I think I get it. I think I get it. I, I think also there's something, there's something about having like an inner mentor that's like, mm. how do you want to show up to this process for the sake of the collective? Right. So yeah. it's like, yeah, you feel like shit. You feel 
like shit, maybe like, like a piece of shit, you know, like there could be a like particular edge to it today. Yeah. You know, that's not the place we want to create from. That's not what we want to put out into the world. And again, it's that like defiance or resistance to those messages of unworthiness or whatever. Right. That's just like, this is not, I don't want to contribute more of this to the world. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Okay, Mm -hmm. good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If I'm getting you right, that's that's how I'm hearing it. So, okay. I want to share with the listeners that like for half an hour before this conversation, we talked about horses. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I'm going to like contextualize this. Um, Still talking about, about healing and how you cope with the world. But I, I was thinking about your horse companion. I'm sorry. I don't remember her name, but she died last year two years ago oh I think three years ago now three years ago now it was before pandemic or early pandemic or something yeah what was her name Mermerkel okay yeah it's not it's not one that people remember (laughs) right yeah yeah but I remember the look of her she was a beautiful horse Mm -hmm. and so that's a major loss that's a, a major um grief and so was there like a particular practice or modality that that you find um, helps you or maybe helped you at that time cope with loss, those Mm -hmm. kinds of big losses. As a person who's like explored as a practitioner, a lot of modalities, but also has been like a seeker for a long time. Was there, is there something that you've discovered that you're like, yeah, that really helps with grief around bereavement? Yes. So when I lost her, that was interestingly enough like even though I've always been very connected to the beyond the veil or my spirit guides or like whatever however you want to identify them when she died that was the kind of the initiation for me of like I'm gonna talk to you every day Mm. like before it was always like before I'd go into trance work when I went to bed at night just like hey thanks for being here offering in my prayers whatever to you know the group at large and then losing her was like I mean it was like losing a part of myself she had been my horse for 26 years and she was the 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 steady thing you know a lot of life that wasn't and and so it was just like I I just couldn't see living each day without a connection that was more than just like Hey, thanks for guiding me through the day. Um, so there was that. That was a something that I really, that really helped me was to just be like, I'm just going to keep going. Like we're still together. Um, so that was a big piece. And then also, and has always been a practice for me, but it became the first time that I really saw it in as a practice for being with grief was just being in nature, being outside, being with in a funny way the very much aliveness of everything Mm. and I I think that that was probably a bit of I mean it was comfort for sure but it was also just like uh I don't know if this is quite the right way to put it but like a reminder of like everything is still going Mm. because I think otherwise there I think I could have just gotten lost in that grief and gone into just a real void of Mm -hmm. me (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. that makes so much sense to me the the affirmation of life 
being cyclical and things dying and composting and becoming something else and embedding ourselves in that like oh and that's that is me too and everyone that I love (laughs) and every landscape will change and yet I'm glad I'm here to see the next season just kind of like you've said before I'm glad yeah you've always been glad there's another day it's like yeah I could see that being a real comfort yeah and then I think the other really big piece that was important with her is that she we were able to bury her out at my parents Mm. and so she is in a specific spot (laughs) and even though I know that's just you know the the body of her I I can picture it I know what it smells like right there I know the way like there's all these aspen trees I know how the sun filters through like it's a very the eagles are always in that spot like it's a really tangible even though I'm like five hours away from there right now it's still just this really tangible in a moment I can feel like I'm there Mm. and in that presence Mm. that was another thing and and it's funny like I've lost a lot of really important people in my life and that and that was the first time where that was ever uh because of course I know where they all are as well but this was the first time where it was like this really tangible healing kind of element to it Mm. it sounds very vivid and of course you know you're a person who does trance work you're a person who's a creator that that like very um beautiful visual cortex that's like so available to you seems really really important you've also talked about having very vivid dreams Mm -hmm. um and and so what happens when you get like a message or you have a big dream or yeah there's like some impulse given to you about like something you should create or something something you should do and you're like I'm so fucking tired though. Or like, I, you know, there's like not time and space. You're the mom of two kids. You're a partner. You have, you know, equines that you're steward of. Like, what do you do when you get this download or have a big dream? And you're just like, oh, I just don't know that I have capacity for that. Yeah. I, (laughs) in the process of a lot of like burning myself out, have figured out like, it's fine to just write it down in a journal and <laughs> come back to it. Because <laughs> right. for the longest time, it was like, oh my God, I got this message. I got this download. I got this, like blah, blah, blah. And it would just be like, yeah, it's like, you know, like the spinning plates. It's like, I now have 38 plates spinning and all of them are going to crash for sure. Mm-hmm. So, so I've gotten, you know, again, I think with like time and maturing and whatnot like this, it's okay to just write it down in your journal. Something I have things written down from like four years ago, six years ago, where I'm like, oh yeah, I still do want to do that. Or, oh yeah, like I forgot about that message and I can see how it's totally valid now. And, mm-hmm. um, and I'm just much more like, it's okay with mm-hmm. all of that. And yeah. I, I do think that that was just a, a process of getting to this point. I can like everyone take a deep breath (laughs) it's like fine to just write it down you know just because spirit tells us doesn't mean we have to like jump like a you know Pavlov's dog like whoa I have to respond to that right away yeah that permission Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah and I think actually even just to add on to that I think that was a big realization too is being like and this is from coming from the church. I think it's like spirits up here and I'm just this lowly person down here. So I better jump like Pavlov's Mm -hmm. dog. And, and again, coming into this place where I'm like, Oh no, like we're one in the same we're on the, Mm -hmm. we're level. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not less than, I'm not going to be doing a disservice or failing by not 
jumping. Yeah, I'm not rejecting my blessings. I'm just tired. I'm yeah, just tapped out. <laughs> this will cause this blessing to crash and burn if I take it on right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. So as we're shifting and moving towards winter, which is like a pretty deep time, can be a dark time, can be a long yeah. time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are the rituals that are most grounding and soothing to you? It's so funny that you say we're shifting towards winter and it was minus 20 here this morning. So like, holy shit. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are in it. <laughs> it's like super cold. Wow. It's so cold. Yeah, you're in it. You're, yeah. we, we are in different ecosystems. We yeah. had a light snowfall this morning here oh. in Victoria. So. We, had, we had 12 inches on the weekend. <gasps> Yeah. Wow. So, okay. So you're in it. What's helping? It. Um, for me, what helps is again recognizing capacity. And you know, I I know that December for me is a month where I just need to be quiet and still and sleeping a lot, you know, hibernation mode and also outside. Like when we have the little windows of daylight I need to know that I am outside and in a wild space with the with that time like as my that's like what recharges the little that I am um so yeah just getting I think my winter is just like being very devotional to those things and also being even more attuned and attentive to what's coming through mm-hmm. me and, and not being unkind to myself about it. So, you know, like I'll have, I know that I'll have days, I'll have weeks where I'll be like, look at all that I got done. I unloaded the dishwasher and I made 12 cups and I did, you know, like I did the, I folded the laundry and actually put it away. Like I'll have that. And then I will have a space where I'm like, and now I'm going to lay on the bed probably for four days straight mm. and just being like, that's okay. Mm. Not being mean about it. Mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah do you want to know what the theme is for yuletide and the numinous network this year yes restive festive oh <laughs> I love that right because I love yuletide you know how I have my whole like program and so of course I want to do all the things yeah. and I and I will like I I mean I'm lucky because I'm like ooh, I'm gonna create a structure in which other people can enjoy like all these things but I can do that because I know I take I take basically from winter solstice to Imbolc off I've got like six yeah. weeks where I mean you know I'll see what people are doing but it's like the program just kind of runs itself yeah but that thing of just creating experiences that other people can just feel like they can absorb through osmosis that they don't have to do it they can just like have the contact nutrition and like their mirror neurons be like oh look somebody else's making the gingerbread house or somebody else is making 12 yeah. kinds of cookies somebody else handmade all their gifts I'm just going to enjoy it not feel less than yeah. just be happy that this is happening in the field I'm so happy for the people who can do it but I'm just going to be in bed mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like yes festive festive we just like yeah. absorb it and like 
someone in this space, in this network, in, in my context, it's like someone's going to do the thing that I wish I was doing, which yeah. I am not going to do. And that's going to make me happy that I can rest knowing that someone in the field is doing it instead of feeling like, oh, I should, or I <laughs> wish, or yeah. like, I'm such a slug. Why didn't I get this yeah. organized in yeah. October or whatever? It's like, I don't, that's not my jam. I want yeah. rest is festive. I want calm and like lots of sleep, dream time, yeah. cave hibernation. It just sounds great. Yes. Yeah. That's. But I that's thank you for your perfect. suggestion though. Also of like, just get outside, just like yeah. open the door, turn your face, feel the brisk air, mm -hmm. whatever yeah. it is. And then totally. And know. that, like, for me, that's a huge one. Like I'm always cold. So yeah. it's been one that I've really not nourished myself with enough in the past and I yeah. I can see the difference in myself where it's like well I haven't gone outside except for like to take my kids to school and come home so it's like walking from the car to the house that's it right and I I'm just never as well resourced when I'm in that phase so the walking the dog or you know like having the horses now I I have to go and feed them every right. day twice a day at least so you know it's nice in that way that's like okay even if I want to just stay inside because it's minus 20 out I'm going out and I'm right and then once I'm out it's like oh this isn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be and so now I'm going to walk over to the river and I'm going to like it always nice. just like gets you going yeah, yeah glad it, once you did it yeah and it does it's such a little thing but it does so much mm. yeah Okay, this is very inspiring for me, Kale, because I also am an always cold person, but I can reward myself with like, ooh, then I could come in and have like a toddy. I could have a little yeah. whiskey toddy. I love my yeah. whiskey toddy. And, or I could like come in and light a candle. I find this like the, the ritual for winter that my husband and I kind of adopted. We've had real candles on the tree for a long yeah. time, yeah. but even just lighting a candle at dinner and just kind of letting that ancestral memory of like gathering around the hearth, like an actual flame, even if it's just a tiny little tea light, it is amazing what a difference that makes for yeah. my nervous system. So I yeah. could reward myself with like coming in having my toddy in bed with a hot water bottle after I come in from being outside because yeah. yeah it's tough to find motivation when it's it is. cold here it's cold and wet and windy this Ugh. like such a shit combination right yeah. it's not like oh it's Alberta it's a crisp dry cold with sun no. that's not what I get here. yeah yeah okay so we've talked about grief but if there's any more you want to say about that I'd love to hear uh, with the last question I want to emphasize the second part of it so how do you cope with grief and how do you cope with rage um I cope with grief by again just being outside like I can't say enough how much being outside being with the living world I think this comes back to like the animus piece or you know being a living breathing nature fan account like it's so it's like the most nourishing thing and it also is the most humbling and miraculous at the same time like it's like all of this is the living world and I am too like there's no there's no difference there's no hierarchy and it just I don't know it's become such a absolutely necessary and impactful thing for me is to just take it outside mm. and then you know in that I have different like depending on the grief that I'm with or if it's rage I 
like if I'm ragey, I often go to the river and it's like that moving water. And right now it's like extra dramatic because it's moving, but it has big chunks of ice. And it's so like, this is a good time to be like, what am I angry about? Mm-hmm. And then go watch that river kind of be this dark, swirling, kind of scary thing. And just be like, oh. and, and, you know, say a prayer and, and do all of that and, and just be like, okay. And then I always come back more I wouldn't say better air quotes better but just more capable again I think more more capacity mm-hmm. and then same with grief is just really being able to go outside and, and in that I have like in our forest I've made a fairy circle mm-hmm. and I planted like I have these three junipers that I planted and they're the mother maiden and the holy crone and I have like my ginkgo tree is out there and and my son made me like these funny little like tiny furniture set and I put it in the middle of it all and and with grief I often find anything outside is good but I'll I'll go there and leave an offering or like we have big windows on our house and birds hit them so I'll take the birds there and be like do that for that bird but also be like there's something about it and I don't even know if it's conscious but there's something about it that's like this kind of sighing out of my own grief as well Mm -hmm. um so those that's the big way the biggest way I'd say that I process grief and rage writing has always been a huge huge thing for me recently um from your witch's new year (laughs) I found out about and I can't remember her name now so I'm very sorry but journal journal is alter Oh, journal Erin Fairchild. Yes. Yeah. Which I was like, I, I, so I've started following her on Instagram, but Amazing. I was like, that's just such a, like journal is alter. I was like, <laughs> excuse me, that's perfect. You know, it's, it, I, sometimes I just, you don't need to have a name to the thing you're doing, but sometimes it's really nice too to be like, well, this is kind of what I've been doing. And now I'll learn even more about it. And so, yeah, writing is, is a huge way of processing for me and and kind of figuring out even because I find sometimes I don't know what the grief is even or I don't know what the rage is or it's just so broad right it's like colonialism grief and rage you know but it's like yeah how do I do anything about that and so just writing around how it's impacted someone I love or how it's impacting me or or just stream of conscious journaling and being like what's what's going to show up Yeah, I'd say those those are my two big, big guys. Mm, that's yeah. beautiful. Thank you so much for having this conversation today, Kale. Just like creating space to share these experiences and um, let people listen to. I just, I've always felt really connected to you. I always like really enjoy our connection and it feels really cool to be able to share it with other people and um yeah thanks for just showing up and being open and honest and yourself you're just amazing so thanks for being on the show thank you so much and likewise all all right back to you (laughs) isn't she great i man i really enjoyed that conversation it was just yeah beautifully flowing you'd think we do that every week we we don't uh, but that's just how real and um, natural that connection is. You can find more of Kale's offerings on Instagram. So it's at Kale, K-A-E-L dot Clausen, K-L-A-S-S-E-N, or at Liminal Roots Botanica. So that is her shop 
where you can find um, the beading, the pottery, the sometimes there's altars, there's sometimes tincture type things, it, I think, maybe it's been a while. Anyway, that's where you can get like a little piece of the magic. Um, but I also think you should be on her newsletter. So she has very soothing feeds. Be Follow her on Instagram. But I also think you should be on her newsletter because her shop updates are like kind of random and sometimes very spontaneous. So it's just good to have all your bases covered. You might hear about it in the newsletter first or you might um, see it online first. But, you know, her little bunny grandmas, her grandmas that are animals and plants and things that are pottery I have one it's so precious I have a grandma rabbit follow the feeds follow kale you'll be so glad you did listener shout out this time this episode I it's so dear to me to be able to read your impressions of the spirited kitchen it's only been out a month at this recording and um I read all the reviews and I really cherish them. So this is Nora who posted on Goodreads. Nora says, this book is absolutely beautiful. Truly, this is a work of intention, beauty, and heart. From the explanation of cultural appropriation to the photos taken from real events in her life, this book isn't just a way to get people to cook differently. It's a way for people to live authentically and mindfully in their bodies and their communities and their environment. It has powerful images, amazing recipes, extremely well-researched traditions and folklore, and there is intention behind all of it. I recommend this to anyone who is on Turtle Island but has ancestral roots in the UK and Ireland. White supremacy made immigrants give up their time-honored traditions and culture. This book helps us understand ourselves better while not taking from cultures that aren't ours. Anti-racist and feminist to its core, we should all be so lucky to have this book to gently yet powerfully guide us through what was hidden in our cultural DNA. Nora, what a very careful and thoughtful reader you are. You are totally getting me. And yes, for sure, if you have Irish ancestry, anything from England, Wales, Scotland, um, all of that for sure, uh, Norway, Sweden, um, uh, you know, all, all the Scandinavian countries, there's lots in there as well, Netherlands, Germany, northern France, pretty much, do you see where we're going here? We're following the Celtic route, aren't we? <laughs> so, uh, yes, um, all folks who have that in your DNA, for sure. And not only, though, not exclusively, right? Because what I'm trying to share in the book is about principles and techniques, not recipes necessarily. So, yes, there's recipes, but it's a manner of approach, how to research, how to be in reciprocity and right relationship, uh, regardless of your, your background or where you are. So, if you like The Spirited Kitchen, my friends, it makes a great gift. Let me go back. Thank you, Nora. Thank you for your review. I super appreciate it. And um, I see you really taking it all in. And that touches me. Thank you. Yeah, The Spirited Kitchen makes a great gift, my friend, for new cooks or advanced cooks, for new witches or experienced witches, new animists or long lifelong animus 
they're all giving it five-star reviews because I very intentionally did that. It is a melange that takes people kind of wherever they're at. If you're new on this journey or if you have a more sophisticated understanding of the wheel of the year, um, even people who don't really want to cook at all, but they're saying they really like the essays and pictures and the ritual ideas. They love it. Or people who are adventurous cooks, but they're looking like they're enjoying this like more sophisticated understanding of the social, emotional, spiritual dimensions of culinary traditions and of feasting together and or the implications living in a changing climate and environment. I mean, this is a broad spectrum of humans saying they love the books, what I'm trying to say here. Um, where can you find it? Okay, <laughs> here's a little bit of like local color, a little bit more insight into my life. So like my family, like so many of you, I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, maybe your family doesn't understand what you do for a living. <laughs> maybe your partner even doesn't really understand. In my case, my, my, my family um, that I'm in contact with, they, they, don't, they don't understand what I do at all. And so the book, they're like, oh, you wrote a book. Like, so where can we find it? And I'm like, so in the acknowledgments of the book, the very first people after the land acknowledgement, the very first people I thank are my aunties, uh, my Auntie Deb, my Auntie Karen. So I called my Auntie Deb and uh, Uncle Mo. So Deb had a stroke a number of years ago, and, she, you know, she was the memory of our lineage. She was the, the culture keeper, the wisdom keeper of our lineage. And so when she had her stroke and lost so much of her speech, it, it, it's like the library of Alexandria burning down. Like it, it just, there it went. Um, but Mo is kind of like translator and helps to communicate and express a bit. But Mo is like pretty, you know, he will say he's like pretty simple, basic guy. So he's like, well, where can we get your book there, Carmen? He's up in Port Alberni, which is a bit north from me, small um, resource town. He's, he's a truck driver in the logging industry for like generations. Where can you find my book? Bookstores. He's like, what, 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 what bookstore? I'm like, any bookstore, like big online sellers, bricks and mortar, like, He's like, well, like where? And I was like, like Indigo, Chapters, Amazon. He's like, Indigo, where, what's that? Oh, Amazon, we don't, I don't do that. I, I'm a truck driver. Where, you have to help. <laughs> so I'm like, really? Okay, any, literally any bookstore. Mo, just like call your local bookstore. They, they don't, that's not a thing they do. I sent them free books, obviously, because I was like, never mind, it's, it's not important that I have good sales. It's more important that I have the book. So I just, obviously, I sent them free books. But it was cracking me up that he, like, didn't understand. <laughs> like, they're, like, not clear that this is, um, it was published by a fairly, well, a very well-established New York publisher. <laughs> they published, like, Roxane Gay, Joy Harjo, Neil deGrasse Tyson. None of these names mean anything to them. To me, it feels like I... I've pulled off some big heist or something that somehow I got published by this great publisher that publishes like real writers and real experts. So, um, yeah, anyway, it's kind of funny. So where can you find my book? Anywhere. Just ask your local shop to bring it in. In Canada, 
It's available through Penguin Random House, so like easy peasy for any bookseller. In the U.S., it's through W.W. Norton. It's not a hard-to-find title. You just literally Google it. Um, as they say in Big Mouth, Jujul it. it. Yeah, easy to find. But if you'd rather hang out, if you want to go more personal, you can find out how we can hang out online by going to my website, check out the Numinous Network, or the Spirit of Yuletide program happening in December. Just go to my website, CarmenSpaniola.com. C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A. Hope I'll see you there. Until next time, take care.